This week on the Faculty Factory Podcast. Part of my Myers-Briggs is not being a very feeling, high on the feeling, I'm more high thinking. I would always think these kinds of, you know, glad handing and make building relationships. Back in the day, about a dozen years ago, I'd think, oh, this stuff is a waste of time and these ceremonies and these celebrations. It's just a lot of logistics and I don't have the temperament for this kind of detail. And who cares if we have shrimp rolls or sh- or or raw shrimp or su- who cares? Yeah. I don't care about that stuff. And it, you know, it occurred to me about a, 10 years or so ago that, you know, Kim, this is what it's about. Building relationships is, this is where the meat of it is. One of the things that whenever I talk about wellness, I say to our colleagues and to our committees that, you know, it's not always going to be, it's not always a happy moment and it's not always a sad moment, but it's really about all the moments and to make sure that each one counts. Welcome back to the Faculty Factory Podcast. On today's episode, we have Dr. Mitu Sen, the Acting Vice Dean of Faculty Affairs at the Schulich School of Medicine and Dentistry in Western University, London, Ontario, Canada. Dr. Sen is also the Assistant Dean of Faculty Equity and Wellness and a Professor of Medicine. Mitu, hello. Welcome to the podcast. How are you doing up in Canada? Doing great, Kim. Thank you for this invitation. Well, you are our first colleague from our northern borders, and we're so happy to have you representing and talking with us. And I've, it's been a, just such a pleasure knowing you and running into you at all of our GFA meetings over the years. And so thanks for uh, sharing your story and helping us build community and inspiring and encouraging each other here in the Faculty Factory podcast. So people are always curious. How in the world um, did you make your way from being a professor of medicine and respirology and critical care, sleep medicine, and find yourself as an assistant dean and then an acting vice dean. Can you kind of walk us through that journey? Yeah, absolutely. And I also want to say that I'm grateful to having been part of our community. Uh, The group on faculty affairs has been phenomenal. And also uh, amongst um, AEMC, I've never felt like the the northerner. (laughs) And actually, it has been very amazing having you and others um, be such an important part of our journey here at Western and Schulich. So you were asking specifically about how I got from um, the work, the clinical work, uh, and progressing on to these roles. And I'll tell you, Kim, one of the biggest things that underpins my my life's work has been education. I love education. I love to be involved in education. And I'm always hoping to help support and innovate in education and push the limits of education to wherever uh, it needs to go. And so I've had lots of roles as um, I was uh, initially appointed as an assistant professor and then through being an associate professor, many roles in teaching and education have been involved, fortunately, with a lot of national projects, including our Royal College of Physicians and Surgeons of Canada, um, and even within my university and my school. 
And so that has, in a short summary, uh, led to really ongoing work in uh, what I really truly believe is, you know, our common work, but it continues to push the frontiers of education. And so as I was going through this journey of teaching uh, residents, I was a program director. I created our Canadian Critical Care Review course 13 years ago, which is a national and international course. And going through all of these parts, I got involved in accreditation from the Royal College um, and our CanMeds 2015 project, which I was part of the Scholar Life, Lifelong Learner Group, uh, Expert Working Group. What really, um, what really inspired me to continue focusing and focusing my work on faculty was that despite all of the great things that we're always, we were always trying to do for faculty, faculty are very heterogeneous. Faculty are very diverse. My school is a school of medicine, dentistry, and basic medical science. And whether we're geographically distributed, as I've said at many of the um, AAMC um, GFA presentations, but we're also professionally in terms of who's doing, you know, what on call at what hospital or what have you, uh, very much um, isolated geographically as well and time-wise. And so it was really important to try to see what are some common things that will help with faculty's work and focusing on faculty because to me, as I went through this, of course, students are important and residents are important, but we have fortunately been able to build a lot of systems for our students and our residents. But for faculty, depending on where a person works or where a person can get the mentorship or sponsorship or what have you, um, there was not always the same opportunities. And um, and so that really helped inspire me to work in faculty affairs. So from 2014, I took on this role as Assistant Dean Faculty Equity and Wellness. It's an inaugural role. Um, and my work was really focused on creating positive changes uh, for faculty. Now, positive changes for, for faculty, one can you know, not reading into it, but, you know, you can, you can, someone can think of it as an award, or you can think of it as, you know, accommodations or other things that are done by the university. So in this role, uh, in which is where I started the Assistant Dean Faculty Equity and Wellness, a new role and a bit of a mouthful, um, I got to look at our survey, our We Speak survey, which is a survey done on faculty work-life balance, um, wellness. And from that, we created a working group for wellness, faculty wellness. Um, and from that came our framework for faculty wellness. So our faculty, again, includes um, around 3,000 just over faculty in medicine, dentistry, and basic medical science. And what was really fun for me working with our teams here is to try to come up with common threads that actually affect all faculty. And for that framework, that was the first one I had the privilege to present at GFA in 2016. And for that, we received recognition and such, you know, such great encouragement. Uh, and so this was creating a framework for our school, which and our university, which is quite large in wellness. And so breaking that down into what are the kind of the common things that we can remember without outlining, you know, 20 titles or 50 aspects or 20 subjects. Mm -hmm. And so we broke it down in terms of 
um, body, mind, spirit. That was what I had. Um, mm-hmm. That's what we all agreed on. And and then we we worked on defining what these meant. Now, I missed a spot here. So between coming into the role and reviewing the survey results that was university-wide and hospital-wide, um, I had the opportunity to do, um, I guess, their, their focused interviews of departments. And so we have 14 clinical departments, uh, several basic departments, and we also have um, the, the School of Dentistry, which is within our school. So that really gave me, as I've been on faculty for uh, just under two decades, I really had a good um, relationship with many faculties I continue to do. And so it was really important for me to hear back what their thoughts were around what could look like a framework for wellness. So we took, so I had lots of notebooks and lots of scribbling in front of big auditoriums, but I was able to get about 10 minutes from each department in each area, whether in London or Windsor or uh, one of our other hospitals, and take that information and work with my faculty wellness committee to come up with this framework of body, mind, and spirit in the context of the literature for wellness. And what it turns out, and, you know, it's it's important to remember this, and I learned this, was that wellness really needs to be contexted within what matters to that person. So um, it hardly matters if somebody is not being supported for promotion um, that they you know, have another, um, I guess I'm just trying to use a competing example here, but if someone is really wanting to do a role or they really want to put their name, you know, uh, with, I guess, in the ring or in the hat, um, but they are working in a very toxic environment and they cannot handle that every day. And so it was really important to look at wellness in the life cycle of our faculty, mm-hmm. because for everybody, it's not the same thing. Somebody who has their um, professor title and maybe tenure may not be looking at the same things as a person who is a junior faculty who's starting. So it was really important to not only cut the lines or draw the lines between uh, the body, mind, and spirit framework, but also make sure that it was actually something that is um, relevant, meaningful. Yeah, relevant, meaningful. And uh, and matters and actually something that we're in control of, because I'm a very practical person and I don't like to put 20 things on a list that I can't maybe help promote or do. But it was really important that we move slowly, but move forward with each step and do the things that matter. So for, you know, this framework, which you're familiar with, um, Kim, because you were one of the judges of our our session in 2016, was really looking at developing a framework that was meaningful. And the body, mind, and spirit framework was further defined into what are those areas, because they can mean lots of things. And it's not a framework that's, you know, novel or has not been talked about before, but really wanted to make it contextual to our university and our school. And so, you know, under body, we put things such as... um, Um, the ability to have a primary care physician, a family physician, a dentist, Um, you know, things that are very basic, but many times often faculty were too busy. And uh, when I did the focus groups, there was lots of times when I was in a room and I would say, you know, um, who here has a family physician or, or what have you? And 
you know, there was lots of people, including in the Department of Family Medicine, which just goes to show that we are all more alike than are dissimilar, that there were people that were so busy that they wouldn't have had the time to do that. Irony. And well, complete irony, it, isn't it? <laughs> yes. And so it's interesting because, um, you know, it's not that you need every new faculty to do everything simultaneously. But what happens is having someone care for our health and our body um, helps us in times when there's need, but also helps to maintain our health, which is really important because then we can contribute as faculty. And that's just one example. Um, in terms of mind, um, you know, the things that we really wanted to promote and advocate were um, were to do with things that inspire us uh, or things that we need to talk about or discuss. And so um, that first year, we have a collaborative um, talent management conference between Western, Schulich, and our, our partner hospitals. And so we did that. We planned that conference specifically around topics that were very important and key. Um, and some of those were um, equity, uh, one was on physician suicide, even though my my group of faculty wellness was medicine, dentistry, and basic medical science, we learned that in academic medicine, in academia, unfortunately, there are a lot of stresses, and unfortunately, we lose a lot of colleagues who feel isolated and, you know, can't turn to each other, and unfortunately, we lose them not just from the profession, but they lose, you know, people lose a family member, mm. a loved one, et cetera. So that was part of what we did for mind and spirit was really looking at how do we help the spirit? And this was not based on a religion. It's really about the spirit of humanity. And one of the things we felt that was very important was mentorship. And so that is, uh, that is part of the work that is, that, um, came from our group was looking at mentorship, creating a policy for mentorship creating a program for mentorship and then being able to do it scholarly so that we could actually assess the mentee and the mentor, um, you know, uh, what they find great about it, what are the challenges and how can we do better. And one of the things we learned from that was actually that we needed workshops for mentees and for mentors. So we put those in place. So I guess I'm talking in the scheme of education, you know, each area that we have noted that we thought, you know, we felt as a group um, and from our faculty that were important, we made sure that we build structure around it and, if you will, an education plan around it. So for our mentorship, um, uh, it was it was felt as a very important instrumental aspect of faculty development and guidance and career advice, et cetera, hmm. to be able to have a formal committee created when every faculty starts. Um, in at our institution. And actually, when there's a role change or position change, they're able to then garnish um, or have other people be part of the mentorship co committee that will actually help them reach the next milestone or their goal. And um, because it was such an important aspect of what we were what we were doing, now I'm jumping. So this is the uh, mind, body, spirit framework. Well, and can, can I interrupt you a second here, B2? Because yeah, for sure. ever since you said this um, linked spirit, I mean, when you talked about the framework, the body, mind, spirit, when you got to spirit, I was thinking, 
okay, we're going to talk about, you know, as you said, this was not religiosity, spirituality. I thought maybe mindfulness, meditation. And then you said mentorship. And that really, my eyebrows shot up and I thought, how interesting to put mentorship in the context of spirit. And then I thought, you know, as you're talking, well, what is, you know, the spirit comes from inspire, which is to breathe life into or to encourage. And I thought, oh my gosh, that's absolutely right. That is, you know, the essence of mentorship is to inspire and encourage, which is in essence, a spiritual experience. So I just think that is really interesting. And I've never heard or thought of mentoring as a spiritual endeavor or something that something that speaks to our spirit. So I, I applaud your, um, I don't know, creativity or just the unique way of thinking about, you know, we all have mentorship programs, but to put that in the framework of us, um, our spirit, I think is really uh, unique. How did that, can you tell us a little bit more about the spirit domain of that framework and um, how that evolved to put mentoring there? Yeah, so it's um so I really appreciate your comments. Your thoughtful feedbacks feedback is always appreciated. And in fact, when we were creating the the framework and looking at um spirit, you know, exactly what you said, Kim, you're always so eloquent. Really it was about the essence of how we inspire others to keep doing the things that they are doing or look at other opportunities. And we have always had mentoring in most of our centers, but I really wanted to create this as a central place of, again, I'm using the word spirit and you're right, not religious at all, but a place where uh, one can come to, because as you know, coaching versus mentoring, I mean, with a mentorship group, you should be able to bring anything that is on your mind it can be professional, it can be work life, it can be anything. But that group is meant to guide that person to help them unconditionally. And so that's really why it came into that spiritual realm when I thought about it. Um, and you're right, it actually is not commonly noted in the literature under spirit. We published our uh, five years of um, mentorship program policy and assessment this past January, so January 2019, in um, Internal Medicine Reviews. And, uh, you know, that is one of the things we talked about, how uh, actually to us, it represents the essence of the spiritual, um, I don't want to say support, but connection. Mm -hmm. And that the mentorship committee is a place where you know, not everything is up. Sometimes things are not up, they're down, or there's disappointments or grants not being had or what have you. And that mentorship committee is meant to make sure that regardless of what our faculty are doing, that their spirit is always supported, yeah. I guess. I, I just so that's that, yeah, I love that attention to the whole person and that I just love the courage that you have of putting that out there, that terminology, because we know that language and the use of language can um, be something that brings us together or separates us, especially in today's in the culture and the 
all the division we have and bullying. So just using that language to me is really, um, I think important to remind us of whole health and whole personhood and, and faculty's whole lives, not just the, the career development or the mental health or the physical health, but also that, that essence of us that, you know, makes us who we are and brings us our passion and our curiosity. So I just think that's wonderful. So I interrupted you, but please, please go on and tell us other you want to do. You're continuing to talk about mentorship. Yeah, no, that was just, I really appreciate this conversation because every time we talk about this, and this is why I have felt, I have felt so privileged to be part of our GFA and, uh, mm-hmm. and part of AAMC because every time, uh, you know, whether it's discussion about where to publish something or discussion about what is happening here in our mentoring circles, et cetera, I just find it phenomenal, the the feedback and the encouragement and really the, you know, the, the, I guess, our mentorship and our sponsorship of each other. So I really appreciate your comments. I mean, it always helps to inform anything anyone is doing, especially I take, you know, great pride in hearing back from what you've got to say. So I appreciate that. Um, you know, I think the mentorship, I was only saying that to highlight that spirit part um, and like you said, Kim, there have been um, several times when, you know, I was presenting our framework and talking about mentorship. And sometimes that's the one that you have to explain from our context. We wanted to explain that a little bit more because it's not always readily tied to that. It's a, you know, sometimes a to-do thing that people have to do, but um, but it, you know, needed, needed to be tied. So I'm going to jump to the next part of uh, what I was hoping to talk about, which is, so we have this framework and it's only important if we can implement it mm. um, and actually then assess it and see if it um, is doing the right things that we intend for it to do for our faculty. And so um, so I'll, I'll start with mentorship because we were talking about mentorship. And so with regards to mentorship, uh, we also, when we look at, you know, body, mind and spirit and looked at implementing some of the things that we felt were really important, mentorship being one of them. The other part we thought was, you know, recognition under spirit was also an important aspect. Um, Recognizing a person is a transformational experience. It actually has really, you you can't really, you can't really rate it. Um, But when you recognize people, wow, for the things that they've contributed and things that they've done, it really means the world to that person. I mean, many people in academia and academic medicine, um, academic centers, they're not doing it so they can get, you know, you know, more money or more whatever. They're really doing it in the spirit of the team and making sure that we're changing um, culture and changing language, like you said, and changing the way we do things so that it's for the better. And so recognition was one of the aspects under mentorship that we had on our um, on our um, framework. And so it was very interesting because when we recognition can come from many people, but when we talk about faculty and faculty affairs at my school, we did not have um, a faculty mentorship award. And I'm just looking at a board that I have beside my desk here, and it was in 20. 20- um, 16 was when I presented the framework and 2017 was when we were doing the work of implementation 2016 and 2017 academic year. And so one of the important things was 
to say that, you know, we do have lots of awards that are recognized by students and by uh, residents and uh, but we do want we want to have that connection. So if we think mentorship is so important and such an important spiritual part of our framework, we also want to recognize those amazing individuals who are the mentors. And so we were able to create, with the support of um, our school and university, a faculty mentorship award. And so in uh, 2017, uh, Kim, we we we. Um, uh, we were able to work on the terms of reference for that in 2018, this same Awards of Excellence that we had last night for Schulich Medicine and Dentistry we had in 2018. And that was the year that we gave out our first faculty mentorship award. Um, and it was such a gratifying experience um, because of the number of applications we actually had with the breadth of information of how this faculty had transformed so many other junior faculty and mid-career faculty's lives. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some of the things we really wanted to outline in the Ma- Mentorship Faculty Award is that it had to come from faculty, not from residents or from students, and uh, and the faculty had to be in the school for at least five years, but really helped with a crucial transition, um, sponsored the mentee, advocated for the mentee, and really has been um, someone who has been compassionate and provided opportunities for the mentee to be, you know, well-networked. And the vision was really to try to recognize mid-career and late-career faculty who have so much to contribute and have actually contributed so much that make it easier um, to, you know, make this be not just a part that is a spiritual part of our school, but also to make it such that it is something that we recognize. We take time out of our uh, excellence awards to recognize. So that year, we recognized an individual, and I know it's public knowledge, but that individual um, in 2018 uh, was in tears when he received the award. He uh, he had been a department chair. He started on faculty in that department and then become a department chair. And he said to me, uh, he said to me that he had he had uh, trained and mentored and sponsored his faculty so well that on any given day, he's pretty sure they will beat him on a grant competition. And he said, you know, he said, and that's where I want them to be. And it was very, very touching. That was one award we gave out in 2018. And last night I had the the opportunity and the actually the the pleasure of giving out three awards. So we've now increased it to three. And um, again, there's a faculty member who served on 50 mentorship committees. So you can just imagine how much that pay it forward that person had done. So very proud that when we were implementing our framework, whether it was with body, so creating um making sure every department had a list of family physicians who were available. Um, So I'm just talking about a couple of things on the framework in terms of the mind. uh, I think I was talking about, you know, conferences or conjoint opportunities, joint opportunities to discuss relevant, uh, relevant things. Mm -hmm. So actually one of our alumni, um, alumni uh, celebrations 
we had Dr. Mike Myers come and speak about suicide mm. and there were students there, there were residents there, and it really wasn't about being sad or happy. It was really about talking about something in out, out in public uh, within our group to be able to really talk about something that affects us all when you lose a colleague or a student or a family member or what have you. So that was part of the implementation for MIND. And then for SPIRIT, the one, of course, I, I just went on and on about was this, you know, having an actual mentorship award that we had one for last year, that we had three for last night, and making it be a, an important aspect of what it is that we call ourselves and what it is that we do, and actually making sure that we do what we say we do. Well, what I what I love about what you're you're talking about is always a reminder to me is is a, a gut check in our roles as in faculty affairs and faculty development is that many times, well, in, in academic medicine, of course, we know we're all hard driving perfectionists who've sought lofty goals our whole careers and we are overachievers. And because of that, my hypothesis is, of course, now I'm projecting onto other people how I feel is my whole career has always been a, let's just get the job done, work hard, push, push, push. And these kinds of, and maybe it's part of my Myers-Briggs is not being a very feeling, high on the feeling, <laughs> I'm more high thinking. I would always think these kinds of, you know, glad handing and make building relationships back in the day, about a dozen years ago, I'd think, oh, this stuff is a waste of time. And these ceremonies and these celebrations, it's just a lot of logistics and I don't have the temperament for this kind of detail. And who cares if we have shrimp rolls or sh- or, or raw shrimp or su- who cares? Yeah. I don't care about that stuff. And it, you know, it occurred to me about a, 10 years or so ago that, you know, Kim, this is what it's about. Building relationships is, this is where the meat of it is. This is where we connect. And what you said earlier when you talked about recognition, it, it was such an important reminder to me that, and there's probably some anthropologist out there now who's listening, who's going to know exactly what I'm talking about, but there is some culture and maybe it's Native Americans or maybe it's Alaskan who say with the greeting actually translates into, I see you. And that's what flashed in my head when you talked about recognition, that this idea that I see you, I I see what you're doing. We, as an institution, we see you. We're watching you. We value you. We get this. We see what you're doing. And that that appreciation of being seen and people value me. They get me. You know, the Sally Fields joke decades ago when she won the Oscar or whatever, you like me. You really like me. This <laughs> idea that what we do has meaning. And, and I think you're so right that... When we talk about burnout and, and suicide ideation and depression, I think you're right. You can, even though we don't get paid a lot of money and, and titles are here, there and piled on top of each other, what it comes down to is we all want to have value and meaning. We want to know that our lives are for a purpose or for a reason. So these, these celebrations are, I think, so important because People know that they are seen. What they do does matter. And then there's that contagion effect that other people get that. It's in the, it's in the air. You, you feel that joy and that connection as a community of physical bodies in a place celebrating the essence of what it is 
why we're here, why we do what we do. So I applaud you for this. And I, and I thank you for the reminder that when we are driving so hard in our lives as in this field and our, and watching our faculty work so, so hard that sometimes when we may be perhaps tempted to say, well, we don't need to do this award or we don't need another ceremony. Nobody has time for this. We don't have budget for that. You know, the budgets are tight. We have to dial these things back. You know what? Sometimes these things, this is what builds a culture. This is what may be the, the thing that stands out in someone's calculus when they're saying, do I drop out of academic medicine? Do I leave this institution? Is it worth it when they're doing their cost benefit? But then they might come back to know this is a culture. This is a, a home to me. This place gets me. And we may not have all the resources or the money or the tools, but we are a family here and we, we support and value and see each other. So I love that you've built that kind of culture there. That's, that's really helpful. Really the intent was to take the wellness that was highlighted in our faculty surveys as, you know, um, having difficulty with you know, lots of things that I, I know I showed in 2016 that came out as a, a as a reason for this, my role at, at that time and my mandate of working on this um, was really to make sure that it's not a, you know, I, um, I practice critical care and pulmonology and, and it doesn't really matter what we practice, but it wasn't, it was to me, I needed it to be practical. I needed it to be line items. I needed it to come down to the award and the recognition, um, because I think that it's very difficult when you have a very large group of heterogeneous individuals to pull out the essence of what this part, which is our, you know, I guess if we want to call it, and I was, when I was listening to you, I was jotting down some notes, it's kind of our vaccination, right? Mm. Or a way to kind of like a wellness vaccine mm. or, or a way to be connected so that um, we one of the things that whenever I talk about wellness, I, I say to our my colleagues and to our committees that, you know, it's not always going to be, it's not always a happy moment and it's not always a sad moment, but it's really about all the moments and to make sure that each one counts and that we learn from each as a group. And if there is anybody who is struggling and they feel like there's no other answer, my gosh, we have you know, some of the smartest, hardworking, all of those things that you've said, all these individuals that have contributed selflessly to to our mission and vision and values that we really need to, you know, be able to create the specific particular deliverables that actually will affect them. And that's why that part of the context is so important because um, for this faculty who we we honored three faculty last night in the faculty mentorship award. I was thrilled that we had uh, more than 20 nominations, which is great. And, um, you know, just thrilled to be able to say in front of an audience that this, this matters, that this is so important. Um, just, just thrilled to be able to honor, honor these individuals. I wanted to segue over a little bit to, so that's the faculty, my role with faculty equity wellness, which I'm still carrying. And last fall, um, my dean, who's an amazing dean, actually, Dr. Davy Chang, um, uh, put me in the role of acting vice dean of faculty affairs. And so I've had the, um, the assistant dean role as well as the acting vice dean role. 
And just going back to the assistant dean role, one of the, you know, um, so wellness was part of that title. It's a very long title. But the equity part was also there. And um, that is also something that is spiritually important. We know when we see children or other unfairness in the world, um, any kind of unfairness gives us negative vibes, I guess, to say it bluntly. Um, You know, nobody likes to have an injustice system or an unjust system. And, um, and it was occurring to me when you were talking about the different greetings, like I see you or in my, uh, in my background. So of course, I'm Canadian, but my family came from India. And namaste is one of the greetings, which is let the best part of me grateful to be meeting the best part of you. Right. And that's just one word, right? So, um, so the and, and a big part of that is actually, actually acknowledging the humanity and the humanism that exists within all of us. And so when I was working on the so the wellness piece, it's not nothing's ever complete. This is ongoing work, life's work. Um, but the equity piece was also very important to try to have not just another framework, but to be able to build this in. So you know, when we look at the equity wellness work, it is um, broad, contextual, you know, within the framework of body, mind, and spirit, but also includes individual, organizational, and systems um, aspects to all of them. So the individual might be the person who needs to make sure they have a family physician, and the organization might be that we have, you know, our cafeterias open so people can actually access food or what have you. And then the system responsibility is that recognition and for the work that we're asking people to do, to have a process where, you know, while we can't recognize everyone for everything that they do, we know that that activity is recognized. And actually, um, you know, we take time out during our evening presentations to talk about these individuals and the fact that we had over 20 nominations. Um, But the equity piece, I, I tried to roll into some of the applications. Um, so we actually took away the, which is very uncomfortable actually for, for the team, my amazing team for faculty mentorship committee, uh, over, uh, the awards committee to take away the name and to really focus on the impact, to take away the CV, to take away the things that actually we always want to go to. Um, so this was last year in 2017, 18, to take away any other kind of target. Um, or a marker that might identify the person because we know that everybody does have biases and we didn't want to jump to a conclusion, but to really look at these um, documents and, you know, talk about impact and make sure that each person is acknowledged for the nomination, but that, you know, last year we could only award one and this year we could award three. So that really piqued my interest in terms of what can we do for the equity side of my work um, and, you know, we have, we and there's a whole bunch of other committees now that have taken that on where they actually, um, I don't want to say blindfold, but you take away any of the other things that might influence a decision. Right. You might have had, a, and it could be a positive decision or a negative decision. It, bias doesn't choose, but we know that for some things like this, it's important to make sure we mitigate bias. And so that has been the other part of the equity work that we have been doing and most recently in March, um, I was able to complete the AAMC and Cook Ross um, implicit bias uh, course for the week, which was phenomenal. Right. And I have been working through 
many aspects of our school in this acting vice dean role where I get to actually take this knowledge and understanding and apply it more broadly. So then this applies to promotion and tenure or training selection committees or nominating committees around bias for people to be aware of it, for us to use the right language when we send out an ad- advertisement for a faculty member or a or a or a um, a leader, and to be thoughtful that some words actually create biases um, before that person has even walked into the room. So, uh, in my acting vice dean role, I have a much larger portfolio. Uh, going back to the question you asked me at the very beginning in terms of my journey. And so that portfolio not only includes mentorship, but it includes, um, you know, interactions with, uh, you know, throughout Canada and around the world uh, for, um, you know, connections and, um, and, you know, uh, contribute to and learn from others. So most recently there was an ACHI meeting in Washington that I attended and learned a lot about, you know, uh, digital safety and cyber safety, but also about how wellness is actually an important aspect of um, the different universities around the world that are trying to teach under conditions of war or trying to teach under conditions of, of threat and trying to make sure their students and their learners and as well as their faculty are able to do the job that they inspire themselves to do, but um, can make it kind of difficult in those circumstances. Um, I was just going to backtrack for a second and see if you had any uh, any other comments or if you wanted me to expand on that role for acting vice dean. Well, I actually did have one question. Um, you talked about you mentioned the We Speak survey, which was yes. the genesis of this inaugural role for you in 2014. And it sounds like it's an in-house faculty satisfaction, if you will, survey. And I was wondering, what is the frequency that you administer this survey? And if you've seen any changes since you've implemented and assessed your framework? Yes. Yeah, so um, great question. So it is uh, a survey that is run at university. So we have 17 medical schools in Canada. Very small number, Kim, compared to when you were in Texas or when I hear from my colleagues about the number of medical schools there are um, in certain states. But we have 17. And these this uh, We Speak survey um, happens at all of the universities in Canada. And okay. it is a broader survey because it surveys the entire campus and every faculty, every student, every resident, all the staff that are associated with the university. So the piece that I took away was for the Faculty of Medicine and Dentistry faculty survey, uh, because that was my mandate and my role. Got it. And ha- we, we, it, uh, so it, it happens every five years. So oh. we have had one since, and there have been significant improvements in, in many things. Um, but I think we're, so in the survey results, now the survey results are survey results. It's, it's great to see improvements in that. But what I, where I think it really, you know, where it really, um, where, where I really see it is, and it's hard to measure culture, but where I really see it is that, you know, compared to maybe the 10 nominations we had for the mentorship award, we had more than 20. Um, the fact that, you know, there are more leaders who are um, women uh, in 
in roles that they may or may not have um, been able to, uh, you know, or think that they might should or may not be applying for. Right. And um, the numbers of individuals who are putting their um, submissions in for promotion or the way the feedback from the mentorship committees in terms of how well things are going and if they're not going well to make sure we look at both ends because it's not just about success. It's about looking at opportunities to grow and change. So the survey results are better. Um, and that was what I had presented last year uh, that the, the, uh, the kind of an assessment of uh, the work but the assessment, I think, is more than numbers. It's it's about the relationships. It's about the people. It's about um, making sure that, you know, if somebody is in an environment of either intimidation or harassment or whatever, that we have zero tolerance for that. Because to be able to have mind, body, and spirit uh, and wellness in our faculty and for them to be productive in my role as uh, vice dean and for them to um, be able to attain the goals they wish to attain, you need to have people around the table who are rooting for that person and supporting that person. And that doesn't always mean support in terms of words. It means networking, opportunities. Hey, have you looked at this? Hey, have you tried that? Maybe you want to look at my last grant, whatever it is. Um, So really, it's in that that I've seen uh, a significant change. And certainly in Canada, our school uh, was featured in many um, in Canada and elsewhere. It was, it's been featured in many, um, I guess, uh, in many media where um, others have learned from what we've done. And really, it is all about providing, you know, um, it's all about being scholarly and learning from each other and teaching others and also um, moving us forward on a global scale and not just one center in Canada, but really to move us forward on a global scale. Yeah. So I chair our um, faculty, actually I chair our Association of Faculties of Medicine of Canada um, Physician Health and Wellness um, Committee. And that includes all 17 faculties of medicine, schools of medicine and dentistry and every area, so undergrad, postgrad, faculty, as well as our resident doctors of Canada, which is a national organization and Canadian Federation of Medical Students. And, you know, there is so much engagement and such um, such strong motivation and work to move this aspect of what actually will impact all of us, because we all need to be destinations of choices for our students in the future, train our learners the way we want them to be able to sustain themselves um, and, you know, progress. So it's been, it's, it's been quite cool to look at the assessment. And it was really when I was doing the assessment that I looked at the numbers, but I also looked at, um, other things. So not only the actual numerical values, but the comments and the feedback. And like I said, last year, when our faculty member won the mentorship award, um, he actually was in tears when he was explaining how much this meant to him that, 18 of his faculty members for a department he's chaired um, felt that they actually transitioned their lives and transformed their lives. Wow, you think of Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of needs and what what a great, you know, can there be any greater endorsement or validation of the work we do than to see the people 
who we've trained be successful, right? That's, that is the, that's the marker of success, not what we've done, but you're self-actualized when you actually are contributing and generating and other future, um, future leaders. So I think that's got to be nothing but the, such a great sense of pride. And back to what we were talking about earlier, the fact that, oh my gosh, um, people have noticed this. This is wonderful. And that's such a, a great validation of, all right, um, job well done, race well run. I've, I've lived my, you know, my purpose in life. That's such a great feeling of uh, success to see others achieve. Yes, it, um, it is. And also, uh, Kim, just being able to have a part to play in creating this movement mm-hmm. um, and embedding this. And actually, my team will often say, well, faculty wellness, like we have it everywhere. Like really, because whether it's our mentorship committees or academic role categories that I was always involved in writing for our faculty members when they would start on faculty or change their roles, um, within that, actually, it references our framework. And for that, you know, yearly career development meeting, that it is a tag point to talk about. Um, it doesn't have to be positive or negative, but there needs to be discussion about how that's going. And, yeah. you know, if there are actual, like, it's, it's formalized. Yeah. So then it's, you know, embedded and it's in our strategic plan. And, um, and so it's just been great as I've transitioned into the acting vice dean faculty affairs role, which actually includes all of that, but really has had input into many of the things that, um, I was working on in this other role that I have. Um, so it's been really, really um, exciting. And, you know, I thank my university for allowing me the opportunity to, you know, take something and some of which exists, like you said, but to just make sure we shape it and transform it and help lead it in a way that is meaningful and will hopefully affect generations to come. So a couple things that have popped in my mind um, that I wanted to f- follow up with is the body-mind-spirit framework. It sounds like, as you've been mentioning this, that there was a marketing plan there. It sounds like my guess would be that you have some kind of, um, you know, logo, if you will, or you, you said a couple minutes ago, it's embedded in lots of places and annual reviews and whatnot. I'm, I'm curious is how much did you invest in the marketing of this framework? Is this something that is kind of like on badges or buttons or new faculty orientation or annual reports and documents or posters or how visible is this framework concept. And then before I forget the second question, you've mentioned a couple times your team. And I know a lot of listeners out there are thinking this sounds like a a huge lift. And you've mentioned your subcommittee and the work task force. But um, some people are thinking, wow, to change culture, this is huge. Who is who's on this team? How many people are on your team in your assistant dean role and your acting vice dean role? So if you could kind of speak briefly to the whole marketing component. How do we in faculty affairs, faculty development, do a better job of um, marketing and promoting and making efforts visible? And then this, who's on your team or what does your office in terms of FTEs uh, look like? Okay. 
So um, it was really important for us to communicate this work, not just um, by words, but also by a symbol. So we did uh, ask our communications, which is our uh, Schulich Medicine and Dentistry Communications team, to come to our meeting for me to explain to them what it is that is the essence of what we're talking about when we talk about our framework and um, and how could we have a symbolic representation that then we can put in um, put in our communication documents that that will speak to this. And so you're absolutely right. Um, in that first year, we really wanted to make sure we have that because you know a logo, if it's a meaningful logo, means a lot. And so we actually our our logo, and I can send this to you, Kim, or you might have it. Um, so it's mind, body, and it was body, mind, and spirit. And so for a body, we had um, the color blue and the shape of a a person. Um, blue because it represents well-being and joy and joyfulness. Um, mind was an orange swirl that's next to the body because it's ever changing. And it's important to be inspired. And orange is a bright color. Um, and spirit was in the shape of a green leaf. Um, mm. A lot of things that are spiritual have the color green. And they also are in the form of something that is everlasting in many cultures, in many countries. Um, leaf is the, is the um, symbol for spirit. So that was our symbol. So that was done over... Um, a period of three weeks, I think, after we had formed our framework and what was the actions and what were the aspects that we were going to execute. So that's our that's our framework. Um, and marketing that we've really not. So this was a, this is a good thing is that I don't really I didn't really have a budget other than my role to help market that. Um, and so and the most valuable way of marketing something so special and important in all of our careers is actually talking to people. So I was able to speak. I it took every opportunity to speak as, to as many audiences as I could locally or nationally, which was our, um, you know, international or our national conference for physician health or um, the last fall international conference for physician health. And of course, at I had the, opportunity always at GFA when I submitted an abstract that I was invited to present and the feedback that I would get from from our posters and our presentations. So in terms of marketing, yes, it's on our, on our website um, and I have embedded it in absolutely everything that I could get my hands on, um, but it also helps to have a school that is always supportive of this and always um, for example, Dr. Chang, uh, you know, suggesting that I speak at our, our retreat. So we sometimes have faculty retreats that are not held in London, Ontario. They may be held in Windsor or somewhere else. And those are phenomenal opportunities to, you know, throw up five or six slides and and talk about this. And this marketing must have had been very good because over the last, since 2015, 16, I've had so many opportunities to have conversations about this much like we're having today um, because it is meant to be ever changing. It's not meant to be stagnant, but it is also, it is also meant to be contextual and, you know, something that is 
you know, this, this uh, symbol is so important because really, you know, it's a symbol of, I guess, hope and opportunity and progression. And if you will, the ability to do what we need to do to create joy in our work, joy and meaning in our work. And, um, and so that's what this, this, uh, this symbol is all about. Promotion, you talked about marketing. So that's the, was there anything else do you think that you, I might have missed from the marketing perspective? No, that, that was, that's good. I mean, I just was curious at how formalized this um, framework had become. If this was just something that was on some Word documents or if it was formalized through people who are paid to actually do this. And it sounds like you really invested as an institution in, in the whole, um, the logo and the, the visibility of it. So that's, yeah, that's what I was getting at. Yes. So, um, and really it was, it did come out of um, an Excel spreadsheet as we sat around with my faculty wellness committee. So that's a committee of six, six, seven individuals coming from medicine, dentistry, basic medical science, uh, part of a Schulich medicine and dentistry committee that I had created um, to be able to make sure that we stay that we create something that's important, that we implement something that is meaningful and contextual, and that we keep going that work, we keep going on with that work. Um, so one example of keeping going with that work is, as you know, we're very dis- we're a very distributed um, region as well, and physicians often are working in different times, different work hours, et cetera. And so within each department, it was important to create resources and so that resource was, you know, having a champion in each department for faculty wellness who then relates to the committee. But that's one way to make sure that whichever front line we're talking about, so one of our departments, oncology, um, and the department chair was one of the first to have somebody be appointed in his department to be the champion for faculty wellness who then could then have resources or have things that are done locally that are very important for that group of faculty in that department. Because as a big oversight committee, we we won't be able to get there. And it's really meaningful if it comes from the department. So that was important way of creating capacity. So it was, so, it was not so much the monetary capacity um, or, you know, a large grant or what have you to promote this, but really um, being present, engaging, lots of meetings, lots of conversations with really wonderful people at my institution to make this continue to move forward. And in terms of my team, I refer to the team. I really think of our entire university as as the team. But really, uh, to to itemize exactly how how many people it it really was, um, my faculty wellness committee who were, um, uh, you know, requested to be on um, the committee from the beginning. We meet four four times a year, um, and that's about five or six individuals. And in my office of um, my decanal office, there was one other support person um, who is a full-time support person for me because my role is not just in wellness, it's in um, so many areas of faculty affairs, promotion and tenure, resources citywide or outside, um, dealing with licensing 
um, licensing, negotiating with licensed bodies and so many other things that, uh, so I have a full-time individual who is my assistant um, and then there's myself and hopefully we can we can continue to grow. And I think this has been a very, and continues to be actually, create inspiration and excitement for me in terms of really promoting the work of faculty and how to acknowledge faculty. And Kim, I have to say that uh, GFA, being a GFA and hearing from you and others, you know, one got a real good sense of how much um, AAMC and GFA and your work has thoughtfully built that faculty realm into a much bigger and more complex, but very meaningful and important work that in Canada, we were not there yet, but hopefully we're, 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 you know, we're, we're learning from everyone's work in the U S um, to create these, these aspects that are very important for faculty. Your work is, is really great. Uh, me too. And I, I love the body, mind, spirit framework and, um, looking forward to a lot more, um, innovation and courage and, uh, leadership from Canada. So that concludes another segment of the Faculty Factory podcast. We've been hearing from Dr. Mitu Sen the Acting Vice Dean of Faculty Affairs and Assistant Dean of Faculty Equity and Wellness at the Schulich School of Medicine and Dentistry at Western University, London, Ontario, Canada. Thanks for tuning in to Faculty Factory Podcast. The mission of the Faculty Factory is to build and support a community of leaders in faculty development who share tools, resources, wisdom, and encouragement in service to our faculty members, schools, and institutions. We encourage you to go to facultyfactory.org to find out more, get in touch with me, ask me any questions. Maybe you want to be interviewed on the podcast. Thanks for tuning in to Faculty Factory Podcast. We'll see you next time. The Faculty Factory Podcast and website is sponsored by the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine Office of Faculty. For more information, visit facultyfactory.org.